Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me is Jim Fryer, Inside Towers Managing Editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. So the first story we're talking about today has to do with broadband. It was a Monday story. The telecom industry reacted strongly to the executive order on competition signed by President Joe Biden. In that, Biden challenges the industry for what the White House calls unclear pricing, high fees, and landlords restricting tenants' choice of ISPs. The White House says the point of the changes is to promote competition in the economy, lower prices for families, and increase worker wages and promote innovation. The lack of competition drives up prices for consumers. As fewer large players have controlled more of the market, markups have tripled, notes the administration. The executive order includes 72 initiatives by more than a dozen federal agencies to promptly tackle some of the most pressing competition problems across the economy. U.S. Telecom criticized the order. President CEO Jonathan Spalter said, unfortunately, when it comes to its comments on broadband, context and facts are largely missing. His point is all price points for broadband actually went in the opposite direction over the past year. The truth is more Americans have less expensive, more reliable and better broadband service choices today than they did one year ago, he said. The uh, Wireless Internet Service Providers Association said it was generally encouraged, but uh, however, a call for the FCC to impose utility-style regulation on ISPs, if adopted, will limit consumer choice. That's according to WISPA President CEO Claude Aiken. And that brings us to the other Monday story, Jim. Yes, thanks, Leslie. Surround Monday was the GSMA. Association, which it's an industry organization that represents the interests of mobile network operators worldwide. There's more than 750 mobile operators or GSMA members. And they came out with a report that said that to, to meet the UN's International Telecommunications Union, ITU, data speed requirements, uh, the mobile industry will need an average of two gigahertz of midband spectrum uh, in this decade. To, to meet those requirements. Uh, achieving this will also minimize environmental impact and lower consumer costs of 5G, according to uh, the uh, a study of 36 cities that was published by GSMA. And that survey was conducted by a company called Caligo Consulting. Uh, without the additional spectrum, it will be impossible, according to the survey, it will be impossible to realize the full potential of 5G in some cases. So. 
The quote from the study said additional mid-band spectrums for 5G would enable mobile operators to deliver these specifications required by the UN, uh, notably the user experience data rates of 150 megabytes per second on the downlink and uplink in cities in an economically feasible manner. What happened on Tuesday, Leslie? Well, Jim, on Tuesday, we had an exclusive story. It appears an agreement is emerging on the broadband section of the infrastructure package in the Senate. The staff of a dozen or so senators involved in the bipartisan infrastructure plan have met over the past two weeks and reached the broad outlines of an agreement. The text is actually still being written. They seem to have coalesced around a 100 megabytes per second download, 20 upload for the minimum build standard that can accommodate fixed and mobile wireless with a possible priority for projects that can achieve higher speeds. That was according to unnamed sources close to the wireless industry. They told Inside Towers first that wireless can meet those speed requirements and will be eligible to apply for some 65 billion in subsidies. They also provided Inside Towers with documentation to back up their claims. This is interesting because previously much of the infrastructure language in the infrastructure bill favored fiber. And then on Tuesday, uh, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration released what it says is the first of its kind report documenting current and projected spectrum uses by space-based systems. Space-based technologies power navigation services, accurate weather forecasts, rural internet access, public safety communications, national security objectives, and more. They depend on RF spectrum for, for controlling space operations and for relaying communications and data to and from the Earth. NTIA hopes the data will help inform policymakers and others regarding the key role these systems perform. And then that that brings us to Wednesday. Uh, the FCC had its monthly meeting. Uh, our story on Wednesday said the FCC voted this week on final measures required to launch its rip and replace program, the one that's meant to reimburse carriers for the removal, disposal, and replacement of untrusted network gear from Chinese companies Huawei and ZTE. The U.S. believes that equipment poses a national security risk. During the meeting, FCC Acting Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel said the agency is targeting October 29th as the date to begin accepting applications from carriers. That means carriers can start planning for applications and new networks, she said. That's sooner than the timing requested by manufacturers Ericsson and Nokia, though they and lobbying organizations representing smaller carriers like the Competitive Carriers Association and the Rural Wireless Association had urged the commission to have the paperwork finalized as soon as possible. That was in a story carried in our Inside Towers Intelligence publication. And that brings us to another story from Wednesday, Jim. Uh, yes, we had a story about a company called Blue Wireless, which is a, a startup company, and they're focused on providing affordable, quick-to-deploy solutions for connecting devices to the cloud globally. And it got a show of support this week through a $22 million Series A funding 
led by uh, Sequoia Capital and also led by an investor named Bill Gates. I think he used to have a company at some point, but the the wireless industry always talks about the wireless industry always talks about de- the deployment of, of millions of Internet of Things devices, whether for asset tracking, remote control, performance analysis, and many other applications. But building, delivering, and securely operating the cellular connected products, it's it's costly and, and complex. So that's uh, why how this blue wireless company came along. Uh, the um, one of the partners. Uh, at one of the investors, investment companies said, despite the advent of IoT, most machines and devices are still not connected due to building and shipping complexities. Most machines and devices are still not connected due to building and shipping complexities. Uh, he said the blue wireless solves these issues by providing a simple way to build cellular connectivity in any device. Following that, we had an announcement from uh, a company we've all come to know pretty well, Phoenix Tower International, who's been extremely active on a, obviously, as their name implies, on an international stage, uh, having bought towers recently in quite a few places in Europe, uh, France, Ireland. And now they've picked up sites in Malta and Cyprus with a company called Monaco Telecom. And obviously, there's, there's sites in Monaco as well. So they picked up a portfolio of 830 wireless towers. And, and, and Monaco Telecom, of course, will be a lead tenant. Uh, they've locked them in for uh, at least 20 years as tenants on their on their towers. So that's, that's a great deal and congratulations. Following that on Thursday, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, ran a story about how satellite companies and tower companies are finding a common ground, and that's in, in cellular connectivity. Sharp said that cell phones and satellites have always seemed like polar opposites and one, one terrestrial, the other was you know, well, extraterrestrial. And a company called AST Space Mobile wants to change that by building a space-based cellular broadband network that's accessible directly by standard mobile phones. So AST is doing this in partnership with Vodafone Group, the big European carrier, and they have plans to launch the first phase of the space-based commercial mobile communication service in 2023, and that will connect directly to 4G and 5G smartphones without any need for specialized hardware. Well, thanks, Jim. Um, another piece of legislation making money available for rural broadband, the Broadband Internet Connections for Rural America Act, passed by Voice Vote Thursday in the Agriculture Committee of the House. It's impossible to overstate how important it is that we get every single resident of rural America connected to high-speed and affordable broadband. That was a statement by committee chairman David Scott, Democrat from Georgia, as he introduced the legislation. In its current iteration, um, $2.4 billion would be set aside for pilot projects to test various broadband technologies. This funding is separate from the $65 billion in the broadband funding proposal um, that's part of the bipartisan infrastructure package being crafted right now in the Senate. And that brings us to our last story for Friday. Wireless Infrastructure Association President and CEO Jonathan Adelstein said Thursday the industry was surprised to learn that wireless would have been left out of the original broadband portion of the infrastructure bill in President Joe Biden's proposal to Congress. Many policymakers aimed 
for a what they called a future-proof strategy, mandating a 100 megabits per second speed up and down, which Adelstein said was code for fiber only. He said that in a speech before the Media Institute this week. He said the idea had not been properly vetted um, and that WIA members actually own much of the fiber in the country. And he said fiber provides outstanding bandwidth and is essential to any national broadband build-out effort. Um, He called fiber integral to 5G networks. Some had argued that since expanding fiber would provide ancillary benefits to wireless, there was no need to actually say the word wireless in the language of the bill. But he he pointed out that argument obscures the question of whether fiber actually needs to reach directly to every home. Um, He reiterated some comments that he had made to Congress last month saying that um, wireless can be deployed more quickly than fiber, and that's especially key to recovery after a disaster. Um, And he had been urging lawmakers to stick to technologically neutral language in the bill. The bill is actually still being written, Reuters reported this week, although Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, intends to bring the measure to the floor next Wednesday. And that's our news for the week. Thanks for listening to Inside Tower's Week in Review podcast. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.